know, Bill? There's one thing I've learned in all my years. Sometimes you gotta say, what the fuck? Welcome to Cruising It, the podcast where we watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me as always is Andrew Mount. Uh, my name isn't really Ralph, it's Joel. And Mason Kuzmich. Hey folks. On today's episode, we are discussing Tom Cruise's breakout role in Risky Business, a coming-of-age comedy following a Chicago teenager's quest for a good time that quickly gets out of hand. What did you guys think? think that it's all happening in joel's head we're doing this again damn it mm-hmm. yeah okay blah 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 stuck in purgatory after recording <laughs> this episode three times you all know the drill at this point um yeah no i i mean this was better than um some of the movies we've watched so far yes i think i kind of had like really high expectations for risky business going in because it's kind of like it's a very culturally impactful movie um and i didn't really like it that much compared to those expectations so i'm kind of in the middle it was a medium good movie for me uh, yeah, it cleared the very low bar of being better than some of what we've watched so far. Losing it. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Losing it is cinematic gold. Oh, don't even. Don't, not even ironically. <laughs> what? You don't like movies about people trying to date rape women? I don't even have a response. I mean, <laughs> arguably, no, there's I more to that movie than that, but it, it was it was too much of that. I was about to say, you don't have a response to that? I feel like the unequivocal answer should be No. <laughs> No, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Low bar. I don't. You're trapping me. Stop tricking me. <laughs> I don't like those movies. They're bad. All right. Had either one of y'all seen this before? The first time we watched this? I had not. No. Okay. I, watched... I had seen literally just the, uh, the old time rock and roll scene. You know what I'm finding is that a lot of my knowledge of um, culturally full Tom Cruise movies comes from episodes of Lizzie McGuire and uh, I mostly knew <laughs> about right that then. there's a scene where uh, Matt doesn't have to go to bed at a certain time anymore <laughs> so he does all the risky business stuff yeah and that's everything I knew about this movie <laughs> right my frame of reference here was mostly King of the Hill so you know by yeah. all of risky business stuff do you just mean dancing around your underwear yeah, dancing or around do you your mean underwear. no I think he stopped Disney before the whole channel. Okay. Thing. <laughs> yeah that was you know, I feel like that would have been a, a controversial decision by a Disney Channel original uh, Show. Yeah, and yeah. here here's Lizzie McGuire uh, in a car race uh, trying to outrun a pimp. Yeah, I believe it. I watched that episode actually. <laughs> well, all right. On that note, let's get into our discussion of risky business. Joel Goodson is a high-achieving high school student who lives with his wealthy parents in the Chicago North Shore area of Glencoe. His father wants him to attend Princeton University, his alma mater, so Joel participates in Future Enterprisers, an extracurricular activity in which students work in teams to create small businesses. When his parents go away on a trip, Joel's friend Miles convinces him to take advantage of his newfound freedom to have some fun. On the first night, he raids the liquor cabinet, plays the stereo loudly, and dances around the living room in his underwear and pink dress shirt to old-time rock and roll. The following day, Miles calls a call girl named Jackie on Joel's behalf. Jackie turns out to be a tall, masculine, transgender person. Joel play, 
pays Jackie to go away, but before she leaves, she gives Joel the number for Lana, another prostitute. That night, Joel is unable to sleep and hesitantly calls Lana. She turns out to be a gorgeous blonde, and they have sex all night. No, they don't. Okay. <laughs> what? I think they do. What do you mean by that? I mean that after he meets with Jackie, after he meets Jackie when she comes over, uh, nothing else is real. You think it's all just an elaborate masturbation fantasy? Yes, yes. It is all happening in Joel's head. Don't listen to anything that Mason says for the rest of this podcast. Uh, Uh, Sorry. I mean, it's not without warrant because I believe the movie does start with an elaborate masturbation fantasy. Yeah, well, um, it starts with, sort of, it actually starts with, it's weird, it has a shot of, well, his eye, well, a shot of his face with sunglasses, but like from the end of the movie, like where he's standing on the lawn. uh Time is a flat circle. Mm-hmm. And he, right. And he's I talking. I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> yeah. But he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> I'll play a little Bob O'Reilly right there. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> he's, talking, he's talking about this dream where he uh, walks into the neighbor's house and finds just some woman there who's completely naked that he has never seen before and walks into the shower with her. Isn't, like you do. Isn't that just him like bragging to his no, no, like, no, no, weird no. rich friends? No, that's slightly after this. The. What happens here is he's saying, like, the dream is always the same. And then he goes on to describe the dream, which involves him walking in on this hot woman having a shower in the neighbor's house. But then he tries to walk into the shower and it's full of steam. And he walks through the steam into this classroom where they're taking a test. And, oh, my God, there's a minute left and he doesn't have time to take the test and he's late. And, yeah, which key aspects of of his fantasies, right? hot women and also he's getting in trouble in some way I this just, is relevant from scene okay, one well we'll continue talking about this ludicrous theory uh, <laughs> i was gonna say early on in this movie i was afraid that uh this was gonna be another like weird se- i mean it is kind of a weird sex movie mm-hmm. um but i was afraid it was gonna be another like 80s movie about like let's find out how this kid is gonna lose his virginity hooray yeah um but uh they, i guess they wrapped that up pretty quickly with this uh totally real night with a sex worker that he had mm-hmm well, I mean, this is another movie I think that uh, would not really fly in 2019. For a few scenes in this movie, like you know, playing off the whole transgender. Yeah, doing that for laughs is a little weird. As a laugh and yeah, all that, that was, was weird. <laughs> weird. But for the most part, joke. For the most part, this is way better than certain other movies. Like, uh, what's the what's the tune? Endless love. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, this is way better than losing <laughs> it. Um, but you definitely, I mean, if you're going to do it today, you'd have to excise some portions and maybe rewrite around the sex worker aspect a little yeah. bit. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe one reason why, you know, well, one of the many reasons why this is better than losing it is losing it. The entire plot of the movie, if they're going to lose their virginity, mm-hmm. this one, I mean, he loses his virginity right in this, you know, first bit. And then the rest yeah. of it is just. So y'all claim. 80s comedy. Yeah, yeah, there's at least like a really, you know, there's actually a turn in the plot that happens here that's real, that's not actually just a dream. Yeah. Well, this just a kid honking it. The the sex scene with Lana absolutely isn't real. Well, the sex scene is real, but you, I think it's a little over the top cheesy 80s because that's what he's like. Yeah, you're seeing how he remembers it in his head, right? Yeah, he's losing his virginity. It's a big deal. So that's him, like you know. I mean, there's there's that, but if you if you watch it, the scene shows him asleep on the couch. And there's a knock at the door. He doesn't get up to open the door. Just a woman well, just walks into the room. 
No, no, no. What? Mason. He's dreaming. You know you're wrong, right? I don't. But why would there's uh, okay? We well, gotta we, we listen. We gotta I, just I, keep going. There's so many elements. You're derailing this podcast with your ludicrous sense. theory that nobody. I've googled this. <laughs> you are the only person who has said this, and you're not that smart. I'm listen, sorry. It's got it's got to start somewhere. Nope. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> this 1983 movie. You broke it in 2019. Yeah. Go yeah. to hell, Mason. <laughs> beautiful this is gonna be the episode that destroys this podcast well okay but the other the other important thing here is that the what happens with jackie actually happens but what's what's important there is she gives a number and tells him that it's what every boy like him wants so he imagines her as exactly what he wants and this is relevant to a lot of her personality aspects that come out throughout the movie we'll get to sure Hmm. Anyway, you said you said the movie proves me wrong, so I'm looking forward to your to to your debunking me. No, I don't have to debunk you. <laughs> That's not how this works. This whole movie took place on the moon. Prove me wrong. <laughs> Does the movie prove me wrong? <laughs> no? no, that's what I thought. Moon movie. Go on, keep reading. Well, there you go. Yeah. Podcast Next section done. <laughs> yeah. No, I think we all agree. Lana asks Joel for $300 for her services. He goes to the bank, but the when moon he... bank. <laughs> God damn it. He goes to the bank, but when he returns, Lana is gone, along with his mother's expensive Stuban glass egg. Joel finds Lana and demands the egg back, but they are interrupted by Lana's pimp, Guido, who pulls a gun. <laughs> I forgot his name is literally Guido. Uh, an- another point against the, about this not While in his father's <laughs> Porsche 928, Joel is chased by Guido, but eventually escapes. Lana tells Joel that the egg is with the rest of her stuff at guido's joel lets lana stay at his house while he goes to school when he returns his friends are over and lana has invited another prostitute vicky to stay but joel rejects the idea that night joel lana vicky and joel's friend barry go out they get stoned and while vicky and barry wander away joel and lana talk lana takes exception to something joel says and leaves while retrieving her purse from joel's car she moves the shifter out of gear and moments later the car rolls down the hill and onto a pier despite joel's futile attempt to stop it the pier collapses dumping the porsche into lake michigan all right this was a lot of the movie right here mm-hmm. um i guess i wasn't really super into this middle section but there are some good uh, comedy moments from tom cruise which i appreciated how the the car dumping into Lake Michigan was my favorite part, my, the funniest part of the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that was, was good. It's pretty solid. Great. Isn't that does that doesn't that happen to Ferris Bueller too? Am I misremember? I, I haven't really watched Ferris Bueller. I mean, Bueller, so. there's, well, okay. there's something with his dad's car in Ferris Bueller, but I don't think it gets dumped into a lake. Yeah, and technically not his dad's car; it's his friend's dad's car. And Ferris really doesn't care because Ferris is just kind of an asshole to that movie. But that's not the movie we're talking about. Ferris. Ferris Bueller come out before this movie? This came out after this. After this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, pretty sure we asked that the first time we recorded this movie. I think we did. Of Risky Business. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it came out three years after this movie did. So, and I don't know if you can say one was necessarily a rip off of the other. I kind of just think this is how comedies in the 80s were. A lot of the same tropes over and over again. Yeah, I mean, Because it know. kept working, so... Art art borrows from other art constantly, so yeah. Sometimes directly rips off other art. Sure, but there's a, there's a fine line between you know what you can call a rip off and what would be, you know, just homage or borrowing or whatever. Yeah, 
So I should say, we didn't mention this earlier. There's this whole thing about this egg, this mm-hmm. big glass egg. Mm-hmm. It's like his mom's prized possession. And when they leave or whatever, they make a big deal about. Yes. Well, you know, well, they don't make necessarily that big of a deal about the egg when when they leave. leave well, she like but, when they're, they're talking, telling him he needs to, you know, be, you know, keep the house clean and everything. Mm-hmm. Then she walks over and she's like cleaning the egg and they're focusing yeah. on the egg. And she's really excited about that. egg. Sure. Yeah. Well, and inc- incidentally, them leaving is actually a really cool scene. It's shot entirely from Joel's perspective. Mm-hmm. Just walking them to the airport until the moment they leave, which I thought was just a cool little artistic point. Yeah. Well, you have to be pretty unobservant to not realize that the egg is going to be a big part of the movie. Sure. When they first show the egg, because they're just like every single camera angle is on this goddamn egg. Sure. He, Bob's egg. His, his mom loves that egg more than she loves him, and that's why it plays such a central role in his fantasy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, see, again, there's just so many parts here that I feel like would be weird. Like, why is why is a pimp chasing you in your fantasy? Why because it's got to be danger. Why is this car getting destroyed? I mean, I will say, despite the fact that you're wrong entirely with your mm-hmm. theory, I could understand why up to this point in the movie, <laughs> you would think this. Because it is a little fantastical, you a, know? Yeah, pimp named Guido. You have, the, you have the really cheesy wind blowing open the door sex scene mm-hmm. you have a pimp literally named guido <laughs> you have tom cruise suddenly like being a stunt driver level caliber like driver when he's sure. doing his like chase in the 928 or whatever you know I- i'm with you up to this point except for the fact that you're wrong uh, okay listen all i've heard you is defending my point and not like uh, really that's all you've I heard just, i just you didn't hear the entire last section when i was insulting you personally oh yeah because of this theory. no uh at home because i'm a dick i just uh <laughs> I, I i just uh that's the fallacy fallacy uh i just feel like uh, that's the fallacy the, fallacy fallacy that's the fallacy fallacy okay. <laughs> um, for all you logic nerds out there um so i i think to me this is where, uh, I mean, your movie is trying to tell you something, right? There's mm-hmm. like a language to the film. And so I feel like if some of your movie is an elaborate fantasy for honking it. Sure. And some of your movie is reality, <laughs> there has to be some indication of that, right? Like you gotta, you gotta give me some like different aspect ratios or something that lets me distinguish between the moments that are fantasy and reality. Well, you say that, Otherwise, but Otherwise, how do I know when I'm in a dream and when I'm not? There are parts that are very distinctly fantasy that don't have any particular visual cues to them. Like when, when he has that scene where he's about to get it on with uh, a woman that's only really referred to as the babysitter, um, it still looks like any other part of the movie. It it gets it gets a little ridiculous in that you know the police show up and they demand that he get off the babysitter, which again plays into him needing it to has, get in trouble in these fantasies. It has the fantasy soundtrack though. Does it? Got the what fantasy music? What is that? I don't know. What is that? Like sexy but music. I mean, well, because, okay, <laughs> but okay, but that, that applies to the, his thing with Lana the too. Film then explicitly tells us. That that was a dream, right? Does it? And then it doesn't with the rest of it. Well, okay, it kind of it, it tells it tells you that he's hungry because he's in bed when before okay. immediately before we see him wake up, and then we see plot points that happen that could not be occurring if he had actually done those things. Not true, because so we know because that it's like, not real and that it didn't happen. It show it shows him in bed, then thinking about the, this thing, but then right before Lana shows up, it shows him on the couch, like half asleep, splaying back. Right before she shows up, walks in, quote unquote. 
Right, but again, it doesn't it doesn't give us the the Is this after a bit? part where we are. <laughs> I feel like this is just some weird postmodernism where we're trying to prove that we can argue a point that's clearly not true that we don't even believe in. I feel like I'm just being trolled at this point. Let's keep going. Listen, I'm telling y'all, it's it's all fantasy, but whatever you want to believe. When Joel takes the car to a repair shop, he is horrified to learn how much it will cost to fix it. He and Lana later decide to turn his parents' house into a brothel for a night. Joel's share of the profits will pay for the car repairs. The party is a huge success. The house is packed with Joel's friends and classmates and Lana's co-workers. However, the recruiter from Princeton, Rutherford, chooses that night to interview Joel for admission to Princeton. The interview is plagued by interruptions, and Rutherford is unimpressed by Joel's resume. Afterwards, Rutherford stays at the party and becomes acquainted with Lana's friends. After the party, Joel and Lana go and have sex on the Chicago L train. Uh, that's part specifically, I just want to say, excellent Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. Beautiful soundtrack there. Anyway, uh, what else we got? Yeah, In the Air Tonight, the most sexy music ever. I can feel it coming <laughs> in the air tonight. Yeah, so this is where the movie takes a turn to me uh, for just being a story about how there's nothing that Joel can do wrong that can stop him from succeeding in life because he's from an upper middle class ritzy family. Hell yeah. He's just like, yeah, my college interviewer is going to come, um, you know, clearly when I am using the house as a brothel and it's not going to be any, you know, huge interruption to my life. I'm still going to get to have sex with this sex worker, but she's super into it this time. Yeah, but make all this money from all of these. I'm not doing any of the work, by the way. I'm just providing the, the, the location. I just own the building, so to speak. My parents own the building. He's the pimp. So I'm getting all the money. (laughs) Oh, you're right. He is the pimp. Yeah. The pimp was the friends we made along the way. (laughs) But yeah, it's interesting. The interviewer shows up right at the worst possible time for that almost like you know when the police showed up at the worst possible time when he was on the babysitter yeah i'm just saying that like the 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 your theory isn't on on screen right now it's not <laughs> if that's what was happening then the movie didn't tell us that it was happening i i think the movie told us it was happening but well regardless um it, we didn't really we didn't really cover that, but part of the one one of the subplots in this so far is that, you know, Joel's trying to get into a good university, and some of his friends have maybe I think, um, and he's he's got this interview coming up that his dad set up before he left, and yeah, just walks in while the house is a brothel. It's great, but you know, like the guy hadn't been paid off beforehand anyway. What? What? It's a very timely reference now. We had that it whole is. college admission scandal. So. It is, and this will actually come out in time for it to still be relatively timely. Yeah, so probably, you know, <laughs> Joel's parents secretly bribed this guy. Joel doesn't even know. They think Joel's part of, like, the football team or something. Yeah, his dad's William H. Macy or some shit. Yeah, he's know. been given. That's right, William H. Macy. <laughs> wow. Somehow escaping real consequences for this scandal. Well, see, that's the thing, though. Uh, the movies, the, the movies have been telling us about it the whole time. It was right in front of us. We just didn't want to see. Yeah. Well, I did really enjoy the party scene, though. I thought there were some good comedy moments in that as well, mm-hmm. especially with the interview. And then you get that great, that great, uh, you know, you put throwing on the shades. Sometimes you just got to say, what the fuck? Yeah, it's great moments. Also a common thread through this movie. Yeah, just say, what the fuck, and just do what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is a terrible lesson. Unless um, you're rich. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, that's true. I guess if you're rich, it like really is. everybody just in this up. movie, like it, who, who needs a Protestant work ethic when a- your Andrew, family's already rich, right? A- Andrew, it's called failing forward. Yeah, <laughs> have you seen his house? <laughs> that's my favorite Scott Adams book. <laughs> All right. Well, the next morning, Joel finds his house has been burgled. When he tries to call Lana, Guido answers. He tells Joel that he will let Joel buy back his furniture. Joel and his friends manage to get everything moved back in just as his parents walk in, though his mother notices a crack in her egg. Later, Joel's father congratulates him. The interviewer was very impressed and has indicated Joel will be accepted into Princeton. Joel meets Lana at a restaurant and they speculate about their future. She tells him that she wants to keep on seeing him and he jokes that it will cost her. Uh, look, Tom uh, Cruise is the prostitute now. So uh, it, they didn't really go over it. When, when, there was a moment there where it kind of seemed like everything was crumbling down on mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. Like he got, you know, like I think he like failed a test and got kicked out of the Future Enterprises. And what's that? Oh yeah, he did get kicked out of the Future Enterprises. What was that about? God damn it! I I don't remember. What's I that, think what's I skipped that? this part. When I something about it. his partner, right? It, didn't his partner get pissed off at his house and? Well, dumbed him from the project or whatever, and him not being part of the project meant he got kicked out of the club. Uh, I think there was something else about him like being late to something at school, uh, maybe so. or something like that. But it's been like, a while since we watched. This movie I can't remember if that was. I think this. I think that happened before the party. Because I think. The, yeah. I think the party is what it was. His like. Right. You know, he had just destroyed his dad's car. His mm-hmm. future seemed to be completely fucked. So he's just yeah. like, fuck it. Right. We're going to, sometimes he's got to say, what the fuck? Exactly. He has his little breakdown. He goes to Lana's place. Lana comforts him. And they go through this whole, whole montage of first, like, him seeing her work. Ooh, she's a perfect woman. She does all this business stuff. Um, and then basically says, oh, yeah, she's handling production for the night. Hmm. Um, which, you know, the, the, the sex worker stuff. And then. Um, while she does that, he's handling the sales, and it just shows him going around town and like pitching essentially to all these guys trying to get them to come. Uh, to, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. But but yeah, that's like when he walks up to the to the guys watching just uh, some movie on a win uh, on a store window and tells them day come here come do this it's when he's sitting down at the booth and does the whole oh you, you went on a couple dates with her oh, what, what'd you pay for that what'd you get out of it not that much well, come to my place tonight you know <laughs> and then shows just a row of other rich rich white kids uh going into a bank getting out their bonds and getting out all the grandma bonds Hell we've all got yeah. our grandma yeah. bonds right yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody in this movie has savings bonds from the grandma <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's ludicrous. Also, isn't there an implication that the um, the interviewer maybe sleeps oh, with not, some of the prostitutes? It was like almost I, beyond I, an implication. Like it I, pretty I definitely happened. When I said that, you know, he stays to the party and becomes acquainted with Lana's friends, I think that was yeah. implying that. Okay, mm-hmm. he took he he took part. Uh, so all, just all of this don't while... work hard in high school. Just hire a prostitute to have sex with your college interviewer. <laughs> Hell yeah! And you'll get into Princeton. Listen, it works if you're rich and your <laughs> yeah, dad was I mean, an alumni. Apparently so. And all this happens in the house while Joel is downstairs playing with a model train. 
What? It, that's literally in the movie. Yeah. That is, remember, he's <laughs> I mean, not all of it. with the train. After the interview, he there's goes lot, and he there's plays a lot of with train. the model train. Yeah. There's a train metaphor going on there. Choo choo. Sure. Chugga chugga train into the tunnel. Chewbacca noises. Yeah. But then, <laughs> Chewbacca sound. <laughs> but then it seems like, you know, Joel finally figured everything out. And then Guido comes back. Uh-huh. Who, by the way, is played by Joey Pants. Cypher from oh, the Matrix. Okay. I was like, what? Who's Joey Pants? Pan- jo- yeah. Joe Pantaleon, <laughs> Leon, okay. or whatever his name is. I got you. Uh, yep. AKA I mean, Joey Pants. He has some yeah. steak afterwards. He's yeah. like, this was totally worth it. Yeah, just that right time to, you know, give something get in trouble so keep the some spice in that fantasy. This is what happened after they inserted him back into the Matrix. He became yeah. a pimp named Guido. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, okay. He has that, such that's, a sad that's life. Fine. That's fine. Maybe this is in the Matrix. Maybe a... Uh... No, this isn't in the Matrix. No, these are all real things that are happening. <laughs> We're going to go with our running theme of making connections between other movies. No. This is just a... Uh, no, I'm going to say prequel. I'm going to say this is before they pull him out. <laughs> <laughs> not part of the Matrix. I hate both of you. Oh, yeah. I got rescued. Well, yeah. It would have to be. He died in the Matrix. <laughs> prequel. Prequel to the Matrix right now. Right. Cool. cool. <laughs> I love this. This is a great episode. Uh, excuse me. You can't prove me wrong. But yeah, no, basically this whole section is the is similar to losing it where no, there's no consequences to any of the mistakes that any of the characters make. The worst thing that happens is there's a tiny little crack in the Stuban glass egg and his mom says that he's disappointed in him. But then he still gets into Princeton. He's still together with Lana. Everything works out. And when he puts on the sunglasses at the end, that's when he nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that he wasn't nutty while he was wearing those sunglasses, but he was wearing those sunglasses in real life at the end. Also, it was like, it's like that new, um, we're starting to uh, explicitly acknowledge this now. There's that uh, Olivia Wilde film that's coming out that's about the girls who like never do anything wrong and, you know, oh, yeah. work hard through high school and get into the best colleges, but then all of their like shitty friends who just party all the time also, also got did. into all the best colleges. <laughs> That's basically this movie in a nutshell. Is he's just like, oh, I never had to be doing any of these things that I was trying to do because they all failed and I just still got in. Mm-hmm. Is that an Olivia Wilde movie? I think so. That's uh, She's the one from House, right? Yeah. I didn't think she yeah. was in the movie. Well, no, she's not I, in I the movie, but yeah. she's directing it. Oh, it's like okay. Gotcha, gotcha. debut, I, was I about think. about to say, I don't think I saw her in the trailer, but okay. Yeah, yeah. no, it's just I, like high I'll, school kids. Gotcha. Yeah, that movie also looks... Also, that girl from Lady Bird. Yeah, that movie looks good. It does look good. Go see it, everybody. Yep. Go look at it. Just type in Olivia Wilde movie, <laughs> and then go see it, and be like, that Justin Timberlake movie was weird, and Olivia <laughs> Wilde died in the first scene she was in, and I'm really confused. Spoilies. Sure. Spoilers for a movie that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> Was that the one? I want to like, say clock stoppers, <laughs> but I know that's not right. Was that the one where you like only have like a limited amount of time, and it, basically time becomes? Wasn't the it money? just called time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> and you have to like spend time to go to like a different sector in the city. That, uh, that was a weird movie. It wasn't the worst movie, yeah, but right. Justin Timberlake cast first episode done. Oh no! <laughs> Can we not do that? Let's, Let's jump cast. back into our Tom Cruise. Oh, we're we're right, gonna right, have to right. watch a Cameron Diaz movie. If we do that. <laughs> we're gonna have to watch a Cameron oh, Diaz no. movie. She's in Night and Day. <laughs> no, I you liked that one. I do like Night and Day, but she's not the part about it that I like. <laughs> That's fair. But she just doesn't. You know, I just feel like she didn't really show up for the movie. You know? But but anyway, back to uh, back to risky back business. To Cameron like, Diaz cast. Uh-huh. Yes, 
back to risky business. The point, the point where where the small fans cracking the egg. Like that's part of his thing. He has to get in trouble in some way in all of his fantasies. There. Yeah. See. You're, okay. So you're just making you're just making that up though. No, I, just the movie doesn't tell us that. It does consistently it through the movie. It doesn't tell you that. Multiple fantasies where this happens. No, okay, but when the actual don't fantasies, feed the troll, Andrew. When the act, that <laughs> don't he's feed the troll. Us. I need to not. Okay, but not, not everything that you not everything there. that you disagree with is a troll. All right. I need, but you don't even think this. You don't even think this. You're just trying to demonstrate. <laughs> don't tell me what I think. You're just, don't feed the troll. Okay. I'll just turn See, him down. He's I'll just turn me. him down. <laughs> Stop. You, no, you're just you're just trying to prove that it could be argued for. You don't. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> I hate this so much. <laughs> so, like, in the fantasies that are happening, I, this is to you listeners out here. I don't give a shit what he thinks. <laughs> but earlier in the movie, right, he has fantasies. And then through the plot, you determine that those fantasies must not have happened because they couldn't have because he would be in jail if all those police actually showed up and arrested him. There's nothing like that for the rest of the movie. There's no moment that, like, if he, like, broke the glass egg or something and then it existed at the end, right? That would be the movie telling you that the fantasy happened. Uh, I'm sorry, sure. But it doesn't do it in this. Yeah, there's no it's... Inception thing where you explicitly don't know whether you're in a dream or not. This is an Inception, Mason. This is a risky business. Okay, sure, but it, it's... This it's, is a normal movie. It's straightforward. Okay, I'm holding Mason we, hostage by we, having my hand we, on his volume control. Entirely, <laughs> we're just going to entirely ignore the fact that the car was fixed like that. Like, the car was dropped into the goddamn lake. Cars can get fixed quickly. Yeah. It's like a couple days. It takes longer than that to deal with all of that damage. I mean, his, his parents were gone for a week. Yeah, he had a lot of time. Yeah, that happened early in the week. Uh, okay. This is the problem with the humanities, folks. Uh, uh, he also paid him a lot of money. He rushed job. They put him at the front of the line. He had a Porsche. He was a rich kid. Well, everything people can get their car fixed in a week. Okay. See, see there you go. I don't know. Hey, uh, hey. The clutch went out on my car, and it took them three days to do that, and that's a very labor-intensive job. I'm just saying. Okay, entirely, completely detail a Porsche, repair all the water damage, all the flood damage, all the, everything, whatever. Okay. Just brush that under the rug. It's fine. I, you're wrong. I'm just going to leave it at that. You're wrong about everything. I'm wrong, folks. (laughs) We're just being trolled right now. He doesn't think this is real. No, he doesn't. I kind of do. Well, then you're you're (laughs) The more that we argue against him, the more that he thinks it's real. That's how this works. Yep. That's how trolls work. Uh, I'm also being paid by Russia, folks. Hmm. Hold on. I'm going to look up again <laughs> to see if anybody else believes this crackpot theory. Oh, I don't think they do. <laughs> Why do you think they don't? Because uh, I think I looked it up, too. and It's been a while since I did, but I did not see any reference to anything like this. Well, why don't you think they see all of the things that the movie is clearly telling you that you're correct about? Hey, look at that. I don't. Are you the only one who's noticed? Clearly, I'm uniquely gifted in this. Obviously, no. I don't know because because I'm dumb and because I'm extremely dumb, and this this made sense to me. This is exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) We're being trolled. There's so many layers of irony that I can't even tell what we're talking about for real. Well, on that note, we have all of our arguments on mic, please. (laughs) This would be great. Oh, we'd be recording so long. Anyways, let's get to some fun facts and background <laughs> info about Risky Business. I guess it is over now. <laughs> I'm 
extremely successful movie, and I do want to retcon something I said in Losing It. I think I said that that was Losing It was his lowest budgeted movie as well as box office. Actually, Risky Business was made for 0.8 million less than Losing It, which is insane to me because it's such because higher quality. A Porsche. Well, yeah. <laughs> they, well, they actually had four Porsches. Oh, okay. Even more so. <laughs> Little, little little trivia there, but no, this was made on a budget of six point two million and made sixty three and a half million box office. So ninety six percent critically uh, in rot- for Rotten Tomatoes, seventy two percent for public. So extremely successful movie. Yeah. Well, and this was like one of four movies that came out in the same year, right? For him. Yes, this was his biggest year by far. With like three of them in leading roles, which is insane to me yep well this is i mean this was his breakout this is the the rise of tom cruise yeah, this is not quite the one that got him into you know a-lister status at, that's top gun but right. you know you know this is really where it, it started to pick up for him as, in yeah. terms of acting and everything yeah, man works hard yeah uh doesn't really do any own stunts he did a little improv a little bit of improv in this one but none no no not really any stunts uh, okay i mean yeah the the dancing does it's not quite i guess stunts was he was he actually on the car as it fell into the lake i don't think so okay i at least i couldn't see anything that said that he was or was not so but maybe his own stunts folks i mean i feel <laughs> like they wouldn't have dumped this you know however 21 year old kid into lake michigan i mean and i thought they wouldn't punch the main character of the outsiders in the face and keep that was going. accidental and yet <laughs> knocked him clean out but there, there was running in the scene where he's trying to stop the car uh-huh so we yet to get to a movie where he does not run they, they may not exist folks he may run in everything and that's that's why it's a running joke ha <laughs> <laughs> ha all right. Well, in uh, for an effort for Tom Cruise to be more teenage in appearance, uh, they he went through a bit of an unusual uh, bit of physical training. He worked out seven days a week to lose ten pounds, and then immediately stopped working out and ate fatty foods to try and build up a layer of fat to give him some baby fat. Uh, I'm not sure how well that worked, but you know, I mean, I mean he, he looked he, pretty young. He looked yeah, like he looks a teenager, incredibly young in this movie. But I would argue that Tom Cruise just looks young you know i mean yeah he still looks like he's 20 years old so. yeah and he's you know in his mid 50s so well you know. it's because he's gotten rid of all them thetans yeah oh here's my favorite trivia that we've ever done <laughs> and probably ever will do uh frank sinatra was considered for the role of guido the pimp but was deemed too serious for the role <laughs> Just just imagining Guido just like as he's driving after them just singing it's not unusual. Uh can uh can you imagine if uh you're Joey Pants and you're getting that call and they're like, Hey, uh we had a guy for this role, but uh we think people will take him too seriously. What do you think, Joey Pants? Are you ready to be Guido? Hang on, I'll get my pants. Also I'm a Guido for some reason when I'm making this phone call. All right, yeah, and speaking of improv, we already talked a little bit about the, his whole dancing scene to old-time rock and roll. Uh, uh-huh. In the script, it just said he dances to rock music, so that entire, you know, slide in, yeah. you know, and all that, you know, probably the most iconic scene of this movie. All Tom Cruise, so A-plus acting there. And yeah. also, his uh, his facial expression, also pr- another, I'd say the second most well-known scene from this movie when he says looks like it's the university of illinois when he's got the ray-bans on and then does that big ass smile like out of nowhere 
that was uh, also improvised, and the director loved it so much that he kept it in the film. I mean, you got to imagine, like, an actual interviewer in that situation, just like, the fuck just happened? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, speaking of the Ray-Bans, this movie and Blues Brothers are the two movies that are credited with uh, stopping Ray-Ban from going under, because they were actually... (laughs) They were actually, their sales were were down as of this movie coming out, but uh, skyrocketed 2,000% after this movie's release. Jesus. So, yeah, this one, and then uh, Blue, Blues Brothers three years before, and then this movie have kept Wayfarers around, and as most of y'all probably know, Wayfarers are still an extremely popular sunglass brand today, so well, and then soon you can after. thank Tom Cruise for that as well. Yeah. Thanks, Tom Cruise. <laughs> And pretty soon after, sunglasses. pretty soon after, with Top Gun, he would also save the aviators. Was that actually? A I assume. Hero? I assume. <laughs> Real hero. I mean, it's really just about the sunglasses. Industry. I mean, I don't know if he necessarily saved aviators because I feel like people who were actually pilots wore aviators. But yeah, I'm sure there probably was a boost in aviator sales from the, you know normal people <laughs> we would love it if pilots after that just or before they just never wore sunglasses like what the fuck are they talking about what are these things why do they call them aviators hmm what do they call these risky businesses <laughs> <laughs> risky businessers god damn it <laughs> keep that in <laughs> Uh, oh, anyways, y'all got anything else on this movie? <laughs> no, no, I don't. It was all in Joel's <laughs> head. Just wanted, no, it wasn't. None of it. <laughs> the whole time. It's garbage. Don't listen to trolls, people. <laughs> well, that's all we have on Risky Business. Join us next time when we watch Tom Cruise play some football in All the Right Moves. I'm Donovan Bruce. If you like this episode, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and check out Cruising It Pod on Letterboxd for our Tom Cruise movie rankings and other general movie stuff. I'm Andrew Mount. Social media is toxic. Delete your Facebook and all that. Um, delete your social media. Uh, for this and uh, episodes of other podcasts that we do, uh, visit our website at gcatsmedia.com. That's G is in gravy, catsmedia.com. Uh, one more time, that's gcatsmedia.com, a URL which I actually like now, but I have to pretend to hate for two more episodes until we finish re-recording all the episodes that we lost. <laughs> And I'm Mason Kuzmich, uh, ready for your usual dose of uh, mixed messages, whatever. Uh, if you want to keep up with what we're doing in new episodes and, uh, hey, other possible new things we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Find us on Twitter at uh, Cruisin' It Pod. Yeah, please. All right, and you've been listening to Cruisin' It. <laughs>